Hi everyone, welcome to episode seven of the Property Investing Podcast brought to you by Real Estate Investor. I'm Dennis Wong and thanks for tuning in to another content-filled episode designed to help property investors like yourself. Now in this podcast, I'm going to be joined by Justin Hams to talk about building inspections. There'll be a quick overview on existing homes versus brand new. And we'll finish off this episode with part two of the top 10 risks property investors need to be aware of. In this episode, I wanted to talk about the importance of a building inspection for anyone looking at purchasing a property, whether it's to live in or for investment. Building inspections is an important check that any buyer should consider before committing to a purchase, given such a large investment. Pest inspections is also another check that is generally done and some companies will offer both. The whole purpose of a building inspection is to check if the property has any structural or safety issues because the seller isn't required to disclose any of issues that may be aware of. They could in fact be selling due to these issues. There may be problems with the building has shifted or parts of the structure have deteriorated that are impossible to repair and will require major construction. These repairs can be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Having a reputable professional do a thorough inspection will not only give you peace of mind, but will ensure that there aren't any unexpected costs later uh, down the track once you become the new owner of the property. So just because a property looks sound to you from the outside doesn't mean there aren't any issues behind the scenes. A professional should be able to identify any potential issues. So I'd now like to welcome back Justin Hams to join me so I can ask him about his experience with building inspections. Justin, uh, welcome back. Hope you've been well. Thank you very much, Dennis. Uh, I am. And what about yourself? Yeah, look, been pretty good. Pretty good. So thanks again for uh, tuning or joining me in uh, one of our podcasts. No worries. Um, so just got a couple of questions just to get a little bit um, an idea just in your experience and what you would suggest in terms of building inspections. Um, so I guess, have you ever purchased a property without organizing uh, a building inspection? Yeah, definitely. Um, if the price is good enough, then it can be worth taking a calculated risk. Of course, it all depends on the amount of the discount that you're going to get. Also, you know, if you're doing a subdivision or split a block or actually removing the dwelling, it's all about the land anyway. So it's not what is actually sitting on top of it, but underneath it. So of course, there are possible extra costs you know, such as asbestos and everything with the house. But apart from that, mm. you're not going to worry about it in those circumstances. No, definitely not. And um, well, then I guess if you do engage in one, how do you know if a building inspector is any good? Well, look, I've, I've read a lot of reports and I'll find from the better reports, I'd have to say time is one of the factors because, yep. of course, like anything, um, if you've got an inspector there that's, say, for 30 minutes and gives you back a 15 page generic report, then it's not gonna be as beneficial to you as a report that takes 60 minutes. Of course, the content matters as well. A decent report, you'll also have pictures, findings, which you know, for the visual people out there, the explanations sometimes don't cut it. But when you can actually see what the explanations are with writing as well, yep. it actually sinks in a lot better. Yeah, great. And what about if you're buying interstate? Like how, how would you find an inspector in that scenario? Look, if I don't have a trade person of any description in a particular area, the first thing I do is look for recommendations or reviews on the business I'm considering. You know, uh, websites like High Pages and Service Seeking, they're quite good for most building and real estate associated work. And that goes all the way down to draftsmen and architects as well. Yep. You know, look, for, for people, they, they do save you a lot of time as the trades are all going to come to you. 
Look, one thing to keep in mind, though, when I'm doing this sort of flying blind, so to speak, is when you're reading the reviews, read what has been written time-wise as well. Because if you're looking at something from two years ago, it's not going to give you an accurate assumption of what the builders or, in this case, uh, inspectors are going to be like today. It could be new staff, could be new owners. It matters how recent it is and also what the comments are. Look out for generic comments. In other words, ones that are exactly the same as the other one yep. where businesses might just throw out or press this button if you liked what we did because that's not going to give you a true reflection of what they're like. Also, when you get quotes from them, see what they're actually offering because one price that might look cheaper mightn't be the best option for you because the work that they will do for that price mm. might be a less uh, amount and less beneficial for you going for a more expensive one. Okay, excellent. And uh, would you need to physically be there for the inspection? No, no, not at all. Look, in, in some cases, people can really get in the way of inspectors and get under their feet. Yeah. You know, like for me, that's taking their concentration off the job. So I'd prefer that they're totally focused, do it all, and then come back with all the outcomes basically straight to me. Look, more often than not, there will be a real estate agent there and it'll generally be the selling agent for the vendor or the letting agent for the property management. And look, if they're working obviously for the seller, they're going to try and get some information out of the inspectors, you know, so they can format a plan on how to respond to any deficiencies that might, might come up to arm themselves basically with information. Like a good inspector, though, will not tell them anything. Mm. You are the one, if you are the buyer paying that, and as such, you should be reported to first. So, yeah, definitely a reporter, uh, sorry, an inspector that tells you everything before he tells anybody else. Okay. And I guess once that report is prepared and delivered, what do you look out for in the report? Look, if, if I'm going to break it down to really simplistic terms, termites, mould, broken asbestos and structural problems. Yep. Look, it's important that buyers are aware that there's a huge amount of tin plating of butts in building and pest reports. There's so much legal disclaimers in most reports that it can look like even the best house has a lot wrong with it. It's all about deciphering the facts from the legal jargon put into it basically to negate legal uh, litigation. Okay, yep. And, and look, if there are issues or you think there are any, does it mean that I should cancel the sale and not proceed with that purchase? No, no, definitely not. Look, I've had a report come back oh, probably in the last three, four months. We had so many things wrong with it that you know, it looked like the termites were holding hands that it was the only thing holding the building up. <laughs> you know, going through the report, there was so many repairs required. But what we do then is we put a monetary figure to what those repairs are. In this case, it was around $40,000. What we put to the vendors was a choice. We will pay $50,000 less and fix everything, and you can just walk away, or you rectify everything that we've addressed. Now, because of the time, the vendors just wanted out, so we got the dwelling for $50,000 less. It's all about using it as a negotiation tool rather than just looking at it as a negative. Yeah. However, there are times when you should work, walk away. We've had one just recently this week looking at for clients. Um, look, the important thing is to find someone that can help you actually decipher what the report is saying because a lot of the time it will look like doom and gloom but it can still be a good property. Yeah. But if you can get someone to explain it to you so you can understand what is actually in the report, yep. it makes a huge difference to the outcome of whether you believe you should or shouldn't go for that property. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, look, I'm sure we could talk a lot more about uh, building inspections, Justin, but look, really appreciate your time. 
thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insights. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, for you listeners out there, if you like any more information on building inspections or pest inspections, jump online. Uh, you can take advantage of Google and also the websites that Justin mentioned, High Pages and Service Seeking. And I'm sure you'll be able to get the information that you require. Next, we'll hear from one of our property strategists, Avita Lucas, who recently presented at one of our live events on the Gold Coast. Avita will provide a brief overview of the differences between investing in an existing property and a new property. She'll provide a quick breakdown in terms of stamp duty, depreciation, and the ongoing cost for maintaining an old or new property. Now, this is something we get asked a lot. So we have a, a lot, as you've heard Rick say tonight, we have over 260,000 free members that'll email us or talk to us on a webinar or call our office and they just don't know whether they should buy an old home or a new home. So tonight we're gonna to take a look at both scenarios. So the old home, probably a little bit older than most people would think, but you get the idea, it's, it's obviously a dramatization. You've got gross rental yield, similar to, to new, net yield lower due to maintenance because old homes need fixing every now and then. You know, we live in a world where dishwashers and, and light fittings simply aren't made to stand forever anymore. Stamp duty, you need to pay stamp duty on the full price, so you're not just paying it on the land. It's the actual going price of the property, so it's a little bit more expensive. And your pre and post tax cash flow are a little bit lower. And if the market changes, because it changes, and the properties are empty, an older home will sit empty for a little bit longer. And that's just an Australia-wide snapshot, absolutely the case. If you take a look at new homes, massive stamp duty savings because you're only paying stamp duty on the land, higher depreciation, higher capital growth, higher rental yield, and let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if I had a choice of which house to live in and I was a tenant, I wouldn't be going with the old home. You just wouldn't. Things that go creak in the night isn't what your tenant should be paying for. But let's have a look at the actual costs. So let's say for a moment the old home built in, in 2002 in Queensland was a four bedroom, two bathroom, double lock up, run of the mill, normal home. Let's say you, you rented it out for $425 a week. You're getting less um, pre-tax deductions. And when it's all said and done, your post-tax deductions are around $495. Stamp duty is just over 14,000 because you're buying an existing home. Your gross yield is around 5.2%, and then you've got maintenance. Now, we've put in there $1,000 per annum, but ladies and gentlemen, we don't know if that's 100%. That could change. It depends on how old the fixtures and fittings are in the home. Now, let's pretend you buy a brand new house somewhere in southeast Queensland in 2017. You spend a little bit more money in the purchase price of 500000 Four bed, two bath, double lock up. Builder's warranty, everything's brand new, whole shebang. You rent it out for $500 a week. Your post-tax profit is $2,000. Your stamp duty is way less. It's near on half at just over $7,000. But your gross rental yield of 5.2% is completely the same. So the yield is the same. The maintenance is less. So ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the cheaper property doesn't always give you better bang for your buck. 
That was just a very short snippet from Avita, and of course, it's always important to do your research on your target suburb. Depending on the suburb, an old house on a big block in a high demand area is generally worth more than a new home further away from the CBD, where there's a lot more land available. Now, if you'd like more information, we will be touring again at the end of September and visiting Melbourne, Sydney, Parramatta, and Brisbane. So if you'd like to find out more, please go to realestateinvestor.com.au to reserve your seats now. Now, I'm going to cover part two of the top 10 risks that property investors should be aware of. I covered five of these risks in our last episode, and now I'm going to cover the final five risks. Now, risk six, debt gearing. This is the difference between the debts owed on an investment property and the equity within the investment. Now, the aim is to manage this so you can keep your debt levels low. So tip one, you know, avoid borrowing too much. You know, the more you borrow, the higher your loan repayments are going to be. Tip two, always consider how interest rate increases will affect your mortgage repayments, especially if you're on a variable rate. They will go up. Tip three, try to have a balanced portfolio where you've got some cash flow positive properties. That way, the property pays for itself and you have extra cash. Finally, also considering fixed interest rates as well as variable. Having a loan fixed or a part of your loan on a fixed interest rate can help you budget your expenses. Risk number seven, interest rate rises. So when this occurs, your mortgage repayments will increase, whether you pay interest only or principal and interest. So some tips to manage this risk include one, considering fixing your interest rate. Uh, Two, keep your portfolio to a size that you can maintain, where you're not gonna be forced to sell off if any repayments do increase. And three, maintain a balanced portfolio. Like I said before, make sure you have a couple of positively geared properties that can cover all the loan repayments and ongoing expenses. Risk eight, liquidity. How easy will it be to access the money you have within your property investments? Property is gonna be more difficult to get your money out compared to other investments such as shares. So you need to really understand whether you need cash in the short term, because if you do, property may not be the best investment. Property is a long-term investment and investors generally will need to hold their asset longer to be able to make any significant gains. It's always best to speak to a qualified financial expert though for that advice. Risk nine, the property drops in value. As one of the biggest fears for any property investor is that the property is gonna be worth less than what you paid for it. And if the market's real bad, you can get to the point where even if you sold the property, it may not even cover the loan amount. So the best tip to minimize this from happening is to research your target suburb and ensure that there are signs of future capital growth. You know, look for suburbs where there is land supply shortages, uh, increasing populations, increasing average wages. You know, they're close to good schools, transport, infrastructure, and amenities. And when these things are all combined, it's gonna ensure there's increased chances of upward pressure on property values due to demand. And also, ensure you diversify your portfolio where you have investments across multiple locations and markets. Finally, risk 10, just buying the wrong property. You know, this can lead to negative cash flow as well as little or no capital growth. So, you know, how can you avoid making this mistake? Well, research, research, and more research. Make sure you buy based on the numbers and avoid buying on emotion or personal preferences. And if you need help, seek it from the professionals who are in the market every day. So that's my top 10 risks. I hope that's been helpful. If you'd like to go through the full list, please go to our blog at blog.realestateinvestor.com.au. 
So that's another episode of the Property Investing Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like any more information or need any help with your property investing journeys, Real Estate Investor is running live events at the end of September. So if you want to learn how to replace your income through property, jump on our website and you can secure your free seats. Uh, We'll be in Melbourne, Parramatta, Sydney and Brisbane. So jump online for dates and times. Now, Dr. Andrew Wilson, Domain Group's Chief Economist, will be joining us at the Sydney event only uh, and will be providing us with a market update. So definitely worth coming along if you're based in Sydney. So we hope to see you there. And until next time, happy investing and I'll catch you next time.